G'day friends, welcome back. It is Tuesday, it's freezing cold, let's get into it. Round 14, we've got one more of the buy rounds to go, then we're all back to normal. So the ladder's still lying to us a little bit. Uh, it's sort of hard to, you know, there's still six teams that need to have a week off, so you can't tell exactly what's happening, but it's getting pretty close. And there is a team who's making a little bit of a charge, and it's Richmond. They beat the Saints on the weekend. I was there at the G. It was enormously frustrating to watch as a St Kilda fan. Um, the, the thing that I'm finding the most frustrating about what happened on the weekend is sort of the reaction uh, and the expectations beforehand as well. So a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of, oh, you know, St. Kilda, St. Kilda, okay. You know, it was wet conditions, blah, blah, blah. It was this, it was that. Despite us uh, being fifth on the ladder going into the game and Richmond being 10th or 11th, um, Richmond were favourites and not by a little bit. They were pretty comfortable favourites. Um, you know, St Kilda had a nine-day break versus Richmond's seven-day break. Richmond had played in the wet in WA and were travelling back. Um, I, I, I am pretty sick and tired of just St Kilda being a bit of a joke of a club. Like, how are we not favourites going into this game? It's it it's it's because no one's got any faith in St Kilda at all, and like ignore that that actually ended up being the result that it, Richmond ended up winning. Like you look at the ladder positions, you look at the the number of days break that was had, you look at like our form over the season. St Kilda had been better, and and Richmond were comfortable favourites because just even last week um, against Sydney. Sydney were favourites over St Kilda. Even Sydney were like, what are they, 15th or something? And St Kilda were 5th. So um, it's it's oh, it's just fucking rough watching the expectations of not only like just the general football following public, but St Kilda supporters after the game on Instagram and whatever going, ah, you know, it's disappointing, blah, blah, blah. Not enough outrage over this performance it was really really poor i thought outside the first 10 minutes where we looked like we were going to fucking blow them apart um after that it was it was really really ordinary like the skills were really poor and don't give me it was wet don't i know we play at marvel but it it fucking rains in Morabin, doesn't it like they train in wet conditions sometimes like I, I don't want to hear, oh, they're used to playing on the dry deck. Yeah, they're used to playing on the dry deck, but they only play football for two hours a week. They train a lot more than that. So, 
oh, it, it, it was just seriously, seriously frustrating. And the coaching, I, th- I thought Ross was unbelievably outcoached for Vlosten to do what he did for the best part of two quarters before someone was put on him um, was even more frustrating given it was the same thing that Sicily did to us, what, three weeks ago. So it was just a repeat of that, showing that we haven't learned our lesson. Um, Probably what was the most frustrating, like, single incident in the entire game was the second Jaden Short goal from outside 50. So I think it I think they were in the first quarter or in the second. They were early in the game. Um, he, he, As he's prone to do, he nailed one from outside 50. He's known for doing that. Yep, um, there was a lapse. There should have been someone switched on to that from St. Kilda. There wasn't. One got through. Shit happens, right? But then he did it again five minutes later. Five minutes later, it was allowed to happen again. Exact same thing. That is inexcusable. And Ross was on 360 last night and he was talking about his frustration around how little um, coaches can use the runner during a quarter, which is absolutely correct. But what he needs to be able to do is have the leaders that are on the ground convey the information he wants to convey. Right, just because there aren't runners doesn't mean there aren't people going from the bench onto the ground all fucking day long. Yeah, right. At, at some point, there would have been a defender who was on the bench who can take a message out to if it's Sinclair or Wilkie, the guys who are running the back six. Here's what we need to do about Vloston. We need to make sure someone's watching Jaden Short when he's you know in the forward half, like just shit like that. It's really really poor from those guys like Sinclair and Wilkie that they couldn't, you know, if, if they're not getting messages from Ross, they need to take it upon them. And Howard as well. Howard's having a fucking horrendous year, but he's still a leader. Like he, he, he was vice captain last year or, you know, he's, he's been in the leadership group. So, oh, it, it was just really hard to watch the back seat, the back seat, the back six completely fall apart um, and just they're real. like it took until at some point late in the third quarter for me in the in the stands to notice changes being made in the back six someone going to Vloston just oh and and that was when we started to play well we started playing well again late in the third it wasn't quite enough and they were they did well to hold us up in the last but we kicked, I think, the last three goals of the third quarter, and that was when we sort of started to deal with a couple of these fucking glaring issues that we were having. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't like. I don't want to hear that. Oh, you know, the runner doesn't go out enough. You've got Wilkie and Sinclair in the in the back line. You've got Steele, who's also unbelievably out of form, but you've still got him in the middle, the forward line. We desperately need to get Membry back in the team. Now, I think he was uh, like he was playing in the twos. I think he hurt his knee again. But he had some minor injury playing in the VFL last week or the week before. So I actually don't know um, if he is available. Um, but when he is, he has to be back in the team. Because I know he didn't play very well the few games that he was back. 
but just as a leader down there, someone who sort of knows what to do. Because I think our most experienced player in the forward line would have been Butler. I think it would have all sort of Gresham sort of plays half forward, but as like a pure forward, it would have been Butler, I think. And he he was fantastic. It was his best game of the year by a long way. Um, his best game for a couple of years, I would say, by a long way on the weekend. He was really excellent. But we we need memory down there for a couple of reasons. as To be a leader and to sort of direct traffic and, and help out in that way. But just to be another marking target. Caminiti is not um, cutting it at the moment. He really, I don't think, deserves to hold his spot. I don't know why Sharman has been the sub for three weeks in a row. That blows my mind. Um, I, I would just take Caminiti out of the side because he's having little to no impact. Um, bring Membry in. Even if Membry doesn't kick a goal, he's, he's there as another experienced marking target. They need to actually put a bit of work into Membry because of his marking ability despite his size. He takes a little bit of the heat off of Max because once Max had a couple of goals to his name in the first quarter, every time we went to him, which felt like it was every single time, um, he had at least two players on him. So he was never going to you know, be a threat in front of goal for the rest of the game from that point on. So yeah, just, oh, it's like, I still trust Ross overall. I think he's doing a pretty good job. It just feels like sometimes he's a little bit arrogant with his coaching. Like sometimes it feels like what he, like he doesn't feel like he needs to be flexible in game. He feels like things will come good and with selection, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, he, he, I don't know if he is choosing on form. Because if he's selecting players on form, Caminiti and Howard shouldn't be playing. Steele is right on the edge. And like, you know, Ross said that his form isn't because of his knee. But I find that pretty hard to believe. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, just a couple of concerning things out of the weekend. And we got Brisbane on Friday night. Big game. Big, big game. We're back at Marvel. If we can knock off Brisbane, that makes up for this loss. You know, you pick one up that you probably shouldn't have won after you lose one that you shouldn't have lost. So that will make up for it. But just like he subbed Howard out on the weekend because Howard for the probably eighth week in a row at least was poor. Like Howard hasn't had a, a single great game this year, he he was pretty good. Like the whole team was pretty good in the first four or five weeks of the year, but since then he's been really, really poor. He's making silly errors. He's having goals kicked on him on mass. Um, I don't know what is going on. I don't know if he just needs like a week or two in the VFL just to figure his shit out. But you got Zane Cordy in the twos, who you know. We brought across to the club for a reason. Like he played key forward early in the year because Max wasn't available and Membry wasn't available. But now King's back in the side. Um, you don't need to be, you know, have Cordy as a backup forward. Have him as a backup what he is, which is a key defender. So I would 100% just be, and like, you know, Ross has said, this is like an, ex- he said that this is an experimental year. So experiment. See if Cordy can do the job 
you know, down back as the as the big boy down there. You know, give. Oh, I don't know. I just it, it's being there and seeing all the shit going wrong. Uh, it was just it was it was rough. I'm fascinated to see what the lineup looks like this week, given that he subbed Howard out of the game because of form. Um, again, I wouldn't be going with Sharman as the sub. I'd be going with a Bytel or, you know, someone who can run. Or if you want to go with Membry as the sub, like he's sort of a similar type of player to Sharman, but he's just bringing that experience, you know, in if you, if you want to, oh, I don't know. I've got a lot of uh, worries coming out of that game, if you can't tell. Um, Richmond were impressive. Rich- Richmond's form is, you know, hugely improved in the last three weeks. Um, Andrew McQualter's got him humming. He's really just taken it back to, you know, the sort of football they were playing when they were winning premierships, putting players back in the positions where they played back then. Um, Dusty is playing really good football like he's he's make he makes the odd excuse me um skill error but he's getting his hands on the ball more than he has in probably three years um taranto is doing what he's doing he's he'd be a top five player in the competition at the moment um still questions on how damaging he is but he's hitting the scoreboard which is damaging so you know if he's having you know, 35 touches and kicking two goals, it doesn't matter if only, you know, 15 of those touches have really hurt the opposition because he's also kicked two goals. So um, he's playing fantastic. And Trent Cochin, this is another thing that sort of frustrated me about St. Kilda. So Cochin plays the best game he's played in years um, in his 300th game, which fucking well, well done to him. He deserves all the, you know, happiness and, and all the celebration around him that there has been. Three-time premiership captains are rare. He led his club out of the darkness and, and to just this unbelievable period of glory. Um, he's a great fellow and, you know, I'm really wrapped for him that he played really well in his 300th game. But the fact that St Kilda allowed him to do that is so frustrating. <laughs> it's so frustrating. When you got a player playing a big milestone in like a game where like, you know, you really want to, you don't want to be dropping this game. Like you should win, but you might not like just a game like this. We had to not let Cochin have a big day. If he, if, you know, he kicked, if he kicks a goal, that's fine. Who cares? But he kicks two and has 30, whatever touches and is incredibly damaging. He got Richmond way back in the game in the first quarter. Um, yeah, we just, like, I know, like, Windhager was on um, Bolton a fair bit, which is fine. Um, but, like, you know, you look at Steele, who's having a really poor month. Also, since he came back from his injury, he has not been the same. Um, he's struggling. So, you know, take him back to what he was best at, like, four or five years ago. He was a tagger. He was an unbelievably competent tagger. Um so, you know, have him tag. When when Cochin starts ripping the game apart in the first quarter, all right, Steel, you've had next to no possessions. You can go play on Koch and see if you can keep him quiet. So, yeah, I don't know. I just... I've got questions about how flexible Ross is in-game. That's It's a watch for me. 
as we uh, move into the, the latter part of the year. All right. Carlton and the Suns. This was, you know, probably my most anticipated game going into this round. What are Carlton going to do to to Gold Coast at the MCG? Are they going to lose again because Carlton have been, uh, sorry, because Gold Coast have been playing quite well? What's going to happen here? Um, Let's talk about Gold Coast first. What the fuck? (laughs) What was that? How, How do you concede in a quarter? I think it was seven center bounce goals. What the fuck? What the fuck? Like that second quarter was unbelievable, especially because they'd started the game like pretty well, not amazing, but they'd been, you know, pretty good. But then just to allow Carlton to do that and just have just no means at all of stopping it. Like it didn't look at all at any point in that run of nine goals that Carlton kicked that Gold Coast had any answers for anything that was happening. <laughs> like, it was just coming straight out of the middle every single time. Center bounce, goal, center bounce, goal. Like, oh. This was the first time, I think, since he's been out that you could sort of see that Gold Coast were missing Miller because he's the sort of player who could probably just, you know, if Carlton kick a few in a row, he would be the one to, you know, just say, no, 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 I'm not letting this happen. We are getting the next clearance. And he would put it on himself um, to stop it from happening again. So, you know, you could sort of see what they were, where they were missing him there. But there was still Raul and Anderson, like, you know, their, their, their new main guys were in there just getting fucking pushed around. Let, like, Cripps was allowed to do what he wanted. Oh, it was unbelievable. And outside of that, it was a pretty even contest. Like, outside of that, it was a pretty even game. But just, God, in one quarter, Carlton. And everyone's like, oh, Carlton the back. Carlton the back. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> just, just chill. A- absolutely well done to Carlton. That is an extremely impressive and much-needed victory um, over a team that was going quite well. So I'm not, I'm not going to take anything away from what they were able to achieve. Very, very good game, comprehensive win, um, but they need to do it again next week and the week after and the week after that, and they need to do it for more than one quarter. Like, they're not going to be allowed to kick seven centre-bounce goals in a quarter of football ever again. <laughs> like, this is once in a generation kind of quarter that they're allowed to have. Like, there might be times, again, in a quarter where they kick nine goals, but you you got to be kicking goals from turnover and from, you know, forward stoppage, you know, like from other sources, you know. So um, they won't be allowed to do this again. They won't have it this easy ever again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, still as much as this was a great win for the Blues, question marks remain. They got Hawthorne after their bye. Um who you would think that they will beat, but Hawthorne have also been, you know, sort of the the giant killers so far this year with, you know, they beat St Kilda and they beat Brisbane um, in the last month. So that'll be a danger game for Carton as well. If they lose to Hawthorne, suddenly they're right back where they were a week ago, you know, under as much pressure as any club in the comp is. So they need to just, like, obviously finals are out of the question, 
for them now. Like, they'd have to win every single game for the rest of the year to make the eight. Or I think they could... Well, I don't know. How, how many wins have they got now? Five and a half. They got four and a half or five and a half? I think they got five and a half wins now. Um, so, you know, if if they won nine out of their remaining... Oh, no, they, only have, they, they haven't had their bye. So they've only got nine games left. <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to have to win every single game to guarantee a spot in the eight. So they're not playing finals. So they really just sort of need to maintain this level of effort for the rest of the year and just try to find some way to slingshot into 2024 because I don't see any reason that this sort of year won't happen again. I don't know where they're going to find improvement from. I still have very little faith in what Voss can do as a coach. So, you know, impress me. (laughs) Impress me, Carlton, and then I'll shut up. Um, Let's move on. Let's move on. Port and Geelong. Back on, oh, was it th- Thursday night was that game. Um, this was a, a pretty even game, but again, it was the the better team blowing their opposition away in a quick burst. This was a 20-minute burst from Port Adelaide where they kicked seven goals and had a pressure rating unlike anything I think that's ever been recorded. It was crazy what they did to Geelong. Oh, fuck me. What they did to Geelong. Um, in that 20-minute period, it was frightening what they did. Um, I loved, by the way, the inclusion of Narkel into the side. I know, I think it was for Rioli, who was a laid out. Um, but they're like, no, nah, let's bring in our mid-season draft pick to play against his old club. I thought that was really good. And he played quite well, a couple of goals. Um, but God, just in that block. So this is where Port Adelaide are at, right? So clearly they're... Um, they're either the best or the second best team in the competition at the moment, and this is what they can do to you, right? That they will, they will just go at seventy-five percent through, this, and that's what they were doing to Geelong. They were sort of just, you know, just going. You know, they were still hard, still competitive, still, still working hard, and so would Geelong. But just in that third quarter, I think it was, they were like, "Let's just end this game right now," and they just fucking killed them in twenty minutes. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Seven goals out of nowhere. So it's pretty frightening what Port Adelaide are doing. Um, I think at the moment they're better than Collingwood. Like you look at, you don't need to look at their form line because they've, they've both hardly lost this year. But you look at how they're playing. You look at the level of, like I felt at no point, even when they were in front I never felt that Geelong were going to win that game. Like they, they were, they, they get three goals in front or 20 odd points in front at one stage. I did not feel at any point that they had control over that game. Um, and I don't think that there will be a team very often for the rest of this year that will ever feel like it's in control of Port Adelaide. Um, like they're, they're just, they're just, unbelievably impressive to watch with the way that Butters and Rosie and Horn Francis are playing. Sam Pal Pepper, their bull is flying as well. Um, they're, they're being able to get impressive victories without, you know, they've been missing parts of their forward line all year. 
Georgiades is out with his knee for a year. Dixon hasn't been playing. Rioli missed this game. He hasn't been playing at other points in the season. So um, Finlayson's been the one who's been the mainstay, and he's been enormously impressive, especially when you consider the difficulties he's having in his personal life. So, yeah, Port Adelaide, for me, are the best team in the competition right now. Um Geelong, boy, I, I, I don't know why it's taking everybody such a long time um, to catch on to the fact that Geelong are done. Like, they're just done. They're not playing finals from here. I know they've still got plenty of games at, um, at GMHBA, but they're, they're just... Uh, if they were to make finals from here, I wouldn't know what to believe anymore <laughs> because they're, they're, just, they're just not playing like a top eight side. And I really think if if they want to bounce back in to finals contention, like we know they like to do, like Geelong hasn't bottomed out in 20 years. Um, so if they want to bounce back in, I think they need to have the same sort of approach to this off season as I think the Eagles should do, but for a different reason. So like, like Geelong are, are very effectively already bringing in the second generation of players, right? You look at the players who are in the team on the weekend. Holmes, Guthrie, that's Zach. Um, both Henrys, Myers, Close, Bruin, Stengel, DeConing, all 24 and under. So a lot of talent there and a, a fair chunk of their team as well. Um, but if they want to be contending again as soon as possible, I think they got to be aggressive. They'll have a couple of like, you know, I don't know whether or not Hawkins retires at the end of this year. I think he probably does. Like, he's he's still playing good football, but I think his body's letting him down. So, you know, he might stay on, he might not. Um, then you've got plenty of other guys who are sort of, you know, who are on the wrong side of 30, but maybe not quite at retiring yet. So, you know, your, your um, Stanleys, your Blitzars, um, I think Tui... He's still playing pretty well, so he might play on. So Tui's another one. Um, you've got to look at Stewart. Oh, Stewart's probably still got a few good years left. Cameron is now 30, um, although he's not really applicable to what I'm suggesting here. What I'm suggesting, and what I've suggested with the Eagles, is that you, you pick one or two players, maybe around that 30 age mark. You know, maybe it's a player like a Tom Atkins. I think it's, it would be like 28 um, or a Jed Buse is probably around that same age, or you take, you know, you pick a Zach Tui or someone who, you know, might be like, yeah, I feel like I've still got like two good years in me. Um, or Isaac Smith is another one who'll probably retire. Um, and you trade them. You trade them. You try and bolster your draft capital now. Like, don't wait. You know, these guys who might be retiring in two years' time, don't wait for them to retire. Move them along and get something good for them. You know, send them to a club, you know, who's, you know, I don't know. Maybe they want to go to a club who's in contention, try and win another flag. I don't know. Um, you know, there's also a lot of talk about Geelong um, bringing in Sean Darcy. So what are they going to have to pay to get him? He's not a free agent, is he? No, they're just, no, they're looking at trading him in. So they, they can't be trading away all their draft picks if they're on the trajectory that it seems like they're on, is all I'm saying. 
Um, but yeah, like I said, they got plenty of like how many? How many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players in their team on the weekend. Who were, I think that's all of them who were twenty four and under. So they're already making themselves a lot younger than they were last year and the year before. I think they just need to go harder if they're going to, you know, because it's hard to imagine because for basically my entire life, <laughs> um, Geelong have been playing finals. So it's hard to imagine them not being there basically every year. And so that is sort of what I expect they might try and do or they might just try and say, you know, to some of their guys who are like, oh, I might just retire next year. They might say, no, you're retiring <laughs> this year. I don't know. It's going to be super interesting to see how they approach this coming off-season. North Melbourne and the Bulldogs. North were really good again, just like, just we're playing a team that's better than them, which is a shame. Like, this, you know, if, if North were playing West Coast this week, North would beat them by 100 points. Like, North are playing just fine um, for, for where they're at and where their list is at. I, I'd really love them to get a win for Rats. Um, they just need to play a weaker side. Um one thing they need to do, though, if they are going to, you know, if they do want to pick up a win somewhere, is just up their pressure a little bit. Like, they had 48 tackles in this game to the Dogs' 76. So, and the Dogs had, you know, more of the ball, not heaps more of the ball, but they had more of the ball. Um, so, yeah, North will need to up their, their pressure if they want to win. You can't be having 48 tackles to 76 and be expecting to, to win a game. That's just not putting enough pressure on the opposition at all. Um, the dogs, Cody Waitman had a pretty special game. I think it was his 50th game as well. Six goals, couple of speckies. Like that's the sort of player he can be. Um, pretty exciting. If you're a dogs fan, uh, it, it opens up possibilities for what their forward line can do when he's playing like that. So there's been a lot of talk about, do they need to put Norton back? Do they need to do this? Need to do that? I don't know what they're going to do or what beverage is thinking about what he should do. But it gives them options if Cody Waitman starts playing like Toby Green. That's it's it's nothing but a positive for the dogs if he's doing that sort of stuff. And he is extremely entertaining to watch. Like that is undeniable <laughs> that he's he's a little pocket rocket that is um great to watch when he's flying like that. And and, and this was and, and like, I know they're playing North Melbourne, but North Melbourne have been pretty good. This is a really good, I think, confidence-building game for the Dogs, given the sort of month that they'd had where they dropped a few in a row. Um, they really needed this game because it was a huge game for Bont and English and Libba and Trelaw. Like, their main guys all had huge games. Bont and Pelly was massive. English was massive. Libba had like 18 contested possessions or something, doing what he does best. Trelaw was excellent, hitting the scoreboard. I think they all hit the scoreboard. Um, maybe not Libba, but, you know, just... Like, the, that that's the dogs. Like, they're, the, they're their superstars. Yeah, so if they are going to... I don't know what if they're going to be in September, if they're going to be having any impact in September, but that's the sort of football they can play and need to play. Oh, um, if they're going to do any damage in the finals. So, um, and I do quite like the dogs and I like all those players and I like when they're, when they're on like that, they're pretty, they're pretty good to watch the dogs. So, um, fingers crossed they can sort of continue on that sort of form because if they do, Richmond won't be able to get into the eight. And I think that's what everybody wants. 
Um, let's do Brisbane and Sydney. Um, so just just a good um, sort of hard-fought win for the Lions here. They had a lot more scoring shots than Sydney, so they had to work a little bit harder than they, they needed to. They could have won by a bit more, um, but they got the win. That's all they had to do, get the win. Um, interesting stuff with Daniel Rich and Jack Gunston during the week. First, it was they had nominated... Um, to not be selected because of their form. And you think, well, why do they have to nominate? Surely the coach can sort of, like, can be trusted to make the right selections when it comes to form and whatever. But then later in the week, Fagan was like, no, no, no. It was actually suggested to them that they shouldn't be selected this week. So I don't know what to believe anymore. Um, but, but either way, I just thought it was a whole, it was an interesting um, sort of, the, the, it was just interesting how that was playing out. I thought, um, uh, nice debut from Jasper Fletcher as well. Kicked a pretty good goal to kickstart his career. So that was that was good for the young fella. Um, yeah, Sydney, as I said, the margin flatters them a little bit. I thought Brisbane were a good bit better. They just couldn't kick uh, very straight. Um, they're giving away a lot of costly free kicks and 50-meter penalties. They've been a bit sloppy. The Swans definitely um, nowhere near the form they'd been the last few years, but it seems they've caught the getting belted in a grand final curse. They've just had a horrible year following uh, that performance in the in the grand final. Um, they they really need to find some grunt around stoppages to be able to like they're, they're getting beaten in the clearances. They feel like it seems like they need Josh Kennedy back from retirement. Um, like Luke Parker's sort of their big guy in there and he's he can't be expected to do everything. Like the, a lot of their midfielders are on the smaller side, like Goulden's a little fella. He's going to be a superstar, but he's a little fella, unless he can turn into a Zach Butters. Um, they, they need a bit more, just a bit more grunt in there, I feel, the Swans. Um, their year's over. So, you know, do they sort of need to, you know, look at things a similar way to... Geelong or not, like they're not as old as Geelong. No one's as old as Geelong. <laughs> um, but do they need to decide, you know, is our list profile right now where we want it to be to get back into the top four? Or do we need to, you know, sort of change a few things up? Do we need to target a big name? Um, I don't, like, if if they want to look at a, a bigger, gruntier midfielder. I don't think going to the draft is the way to go if they want to be back in the top four sooner rather than later. Um, I don't know who's going to be on the market. I don't know. Um, obviously, Franklin will retire at the end of this year, so it's going to open up a fair bit of salary cap space. Um, but yeah, the Swans will be another interesting one in terms of watch this space when it comes to the trade and draft period. Last game of the round, Giants and Fremantle. Oofed. Just when Fremantle had been going kind of okay, they've now dropped two in a row, and this was ugly. 70 points. Um, I think I heard somewhere it was the biggest loss they'd had under Longmuir, um, which was surprising. Not surprising, but 70 points isn't a giant margin. Um, but yeah, it's not good. It's not good. That had a really good month, and now it's been sort of just a free-o fortnight. I feel like the last two weeks was more like how they'd been in the first six weeks or so of the year. Um, so it's harder than you think to sort of turn your season around halfway through. It is harder 
than it seems. Um, that they looked lost and confused. Fremantle just making silly mistakes. They they look they look like they're lacking a lot of cohesion. Um, just not really working well together as a team. Whereas the Giants are awesome. I'm loving watching what the Giants are doing at the moment. I don't know what to expect from them next year. I, I think their potential is enormous. <laughs> um, it's seeming like they might lose Himmelberg. Um, bit of talk around Riccardi now after a five-goal game on the weekend. Um, but I think that they've got a good mix of young and old. Still, their older players are playing themselves back into the best form of their career. Like Cornelio's having a really good year. Um Josh Kelly was best on ground. He was massive. I mentioned Riccardi already as a younger player who's playing really well. Um, both of the greens were enormous. Again, you can pretty much count on them to play well every week. And Briggs, again, they, they seem to have discovered their, their man. They don't need Bruce anymore. Um, I don't know if Flynn is going to get his spot back because um, Kieran Briggs is just playing brilliantly the last I think this is his fifth game in a row or fourth game in a row um that be his fifth game in a row I think and he's just yeah he's he's consistently um polling really well in terms of like fantasy points and champion data like he's he's doing really 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 well um in the ruck there so yeah I, th- I think the Giants couldn't probably be more pleased with how this year has panned out. Like, again, they're, they're another team that isn't making finals, but in terms of expectations, they are playing way better than I expected them to in year one under Kingsley. And they might not win every single week, but I think he can maybe just start to de-stress a little bit. Like, he was so stressed in the first, like, two months of the season. He got his stress ball going um, but now, like, and this has been sort of true all year. They've been competitive in every game, but now they're winning a little bit more often and they're, they're just looking like they're doing all the right things. All their young players are doing great. So um, I think the Giants are in a really, really good spot. Um, whereas Frio, five goals in a game is not very good. Not very good. Um, they can probably kiss finals goodbye. I think it's probably only Richmond who can get into the eight. From here, and I know like there's still a bunch of teams who mathematically can get in, um, but every week that goes by, the, the the mathematically can get in teams have to do a lot more work. <laughs> like you're looking at a Carlton who can mathematically still get in, but they've got to win every single fucking game from here to be able to do it. So um, yeah, I think it really probably is only Richmond who can get in from here. So... That's exciting. Whose spot are they going to take? Will it be the Dogs? Will it be Adelaide? Will it be St Kilda? <laughs> Better not be fucking St Kilda. I'll be so cross if we miss finals again after how we started. Anyway, moving on. Um, my big call, big call for this week. It's not a massive call, but I was just I was thinking about Port and Collingwood in their form, and I was like, gee, who is really going better? Who? If the two of them were playing in the grand final this week, who would win? And I think, gee, I feel like Port Adelaide would win. But also the Pies, you, you, you can never assume in any game for the rest of this year that the Pies are going to lose. And I was looking ahead, I was like, oh, gee, I hope they play each other again before finals. And they do. Round 19. 
Collingwood are going to Adelaide to play the power. And they are a different team to when they met at the MCG and I think it was round three. They're a very different team, Port Adelaide. Like, if they played again at the MCG this week, it would not be the same result. Even if the Pies still won, it would not be by 11 goals or whatever they won by last time. So my big call is the winner of round 19 between Collingwood and Port Adelaide will finish on top of the ladder. I I, I don't know how many games either of them are going to lose between now and the end of the season. It might be zip all, but one of them is going to lose that game. That I know for sure. So, you know, I think the winner of that game will finish with the minor premiership. And we know, you know, the, the team that wins the minor premiership actually rarely goes on to win the whole thing. Um, so it doesn't help you a, a heap, but, you know, that's just what I think is going to happen. So that's my big call for this week. Alrighty. Thanks heaps for listening, guys. As I said, only one more week of the buys to go. Four weeks of buys is too many. I wish we hadn't had it this way, but we did. <laughs> um, remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment, leave a review, tell your friends. Remember to floss. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Thanks heaps for listening, guys. I'll catch you next time. Bye.